Thanks for pressing play. You're listening to Lockhead on Marketing, the oddcast for entrepreneurs, marketing executives, and category designers with a different mind. I'm producer Jason DeFilippo. In this episode, we're presenting another Pirates perspective from the Category Pirates newsletter. Eddie Yoon, Katrina Kirsch, and Christopher discuss the latest consumer spending reports and what they mean for the retail category and retail category queens. They also dive into a category opportunity for McDonald's and how it could impact the future of food delivery. If you want more of these amazing pirate perspectives, and why wouldn't you, then weigh anchor and set sail for CategoryPirates.com and sign up for the newsletter today. Now, hey-ho, let's go. This is Lockheed on Marketing, the podcast that helps you develop the lens for what makes legendary marketing legendary. Hosted by Christopher Lockhead, three-time CMO, godfather of category design, and a high school dropout, who the Marketing Journal calls one of the best minds in marketing, and The Economist calls off-putting to some. All right, Eddie. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on recently in in the economic market and with the U.S. consumer. Uh, tell us your category science lens on it. Well, funny you should ask. It looks like at the most macro level, when you look at uh, data from the government that um, uh, these are kind of wonky things, but disposable personal income, it's up uh, only 0.15% in July, which is the lowest level. It's gone up in all of this year. Uh, and what's called personal consumption expenditures. What So what disposable income, what do I have to spend? PCE, personal c- consumption expenditures, what am I spending? Uh, that's up to 0.82% in July, which is the highest in 23. So in the in July, discretionary spending uh, income is the lowest and per- spending is the highest. And so what's going on? Is that good or bad news? It is interesting in that it's a little bit scary, in my opinion. You know, student loans were put on hiatus for a while. They're kicking back in in October. So on average, anyone with a student loan is paying about 503 bucks a month. And that's less, that's 503 bucks less than they have each month to spend on whatever else. Loan delinquencies are approaching Q2 2020 rates uh, per the St. Louis Fed. What we see is that consumers are kind of making big lifestyle changes. One of the stats that kind of threw me for a loop was, the number of young adults that are 25 to 34 living with their parents is four times higher than it's been since the 1960s. And so it's it's just kind of insane on that front. And I think you see kind of a tale of two cities and, or as pirates would say, tale of two categories. Uh, Inses and personal transformation categories, they're growing. You know, international travel demand is at a 46-year high that 22% of Americans are planning to travel abroad per the conference board in the next six months. And categories where I spend a lot of time in, like medical aesthetics, that's going to grow from 16 billion in 2017 to 40 billion in 27, according to BCG. So if it's about experience or transformation, people are buying it. But if it's about physical goods, people aren't interested in it. So this is some scary numbers from a macroeconomic perspective. Targets revenue in July, down 5%. Kroger's revenue in August, down 3%. Home Depot's revenue in July, down 2%. But what's hard to figure out if it's actual demand, which I do think it is that we're at peak goods, like people have bought too much stuff and they're going to buy less of better quality and higher price points going forward. But retail theft, which is a major problem, it was $100 billion in 22. Target is saying 
that merchandise theft is going to rob shareholders of a half billion dollars in earnings. Walmart says they lost $3 billion thieves. And so if you kind of funnel this whole kind of uh, home out forward, more retailers hey, Eddie, have gone out of business. Maybe we should make crime illegal again. That's a thought. <laughs> you guys know it's razor thin margins anyway. They can't afford this kind of a thing. And so what's going to end up happening is consumers who are doing this thievery, you're going to get what you asked for, which is there aren't going to be as many retailers out there. I think what the future is going to look like is a world where categories that are not in the experience or transformation business they're going to consolidate a lot of consolidation MAs we've written about, and it's going to look like shopping at Costco, meaning there's going to be one or two great brands that are left over and private label. That's it. Everybody else is going out of business. Now, Eddie, I'm curious to ask you, the economy's been weird for quite a while and weird in a specific way where we, we appear to get some mixed signals. So I'm looking at the Wall Street Journal, September 14th, 2023, Justin Lahart. The headline says, don't bet against the American consumer now. And in the article, Justin talks about how the Commerce Department on Thursday reported retail sales grow, grew 0.6% in August from the prior month. And they go on to say that economists at J.P. Morgan Chase uh, forecast real GDP growth at 35 percent on an annual rate in the third quarter. That's what they're forecasting for the third quarter. And so, and then the other interesting thing in this, this report was an increase in the number of people who don't have a GED who got employment. So the employment to population ratio for people 25 and over who hadn't completed high school was 45% in August versus 42.6% a year ago. These things seem to be sort of some positive indicators. And so how do we, Eddie, make sense of dual signals that seem yeah. to be signaling somewhat different things? How do we make sense of this? It's great examples of more than one thing can be true. The consumer drives two-thirds of the U.S. GDP. So they are the backbone of our economy. And they are spending on credit. And so the question becomes... How long can they do that, right? And so I don't have a bone to pick with the predictions on GDP. I think it'll grow. I think that what the consumer is doing is actually making some balance sheet changes in their household P&L in a way that would make 3G and every bankruptcy consultant very proud. College enrollment's down over the last 10 years. No one's moving and buying a new house. You can't get credit to buy a car. So all the big capital purchases are not happening. The birth rate is declining. You know, marriages are not happening at the pace that they were beforehand. Right? Go make some babies and buy some fridges, would you? There it is, right? That's I mean, all they keep telling a, us. Yeah, I mean, you know, no pressure being espoused by me, but the percentage of single person households in America went from 18% to 29% in the last few decades. And so I think what we're seeing is that the macro may still be positive, but there's a fundamental reshift and remake of what the American economy is going to be predicated on the fact that the nuclear household is not going to be the norm anymore. Well, and there's a very interesting thing about that that I think some people maybe are not paying attention to, the radical shift in what a consumer is, what a person is. And we've talked about this a lot in the shift to native digitals from native analogs. And recent McDonald's came out and announced, I forget 
by when? I think maybe 2030, Kat. They said they're, they're going to get rid of fountains for drinks inside the McDonald's. And they gave a number of reasons. But one of them was that now 40% of their revenue comes from app purchases, delivery, and or drive through That is to say, consumers are using the restaurant less and less. Now, let's think about this. If you're a native digital, and native digitals are now pushing 40, how do you want to buy your food? You want to buy it on your phone. And so that's having radical uh, implications for literally the business models of the biggest consumer-facing companies in the world. And so, Eddie, as people start to be a little bit more parsimonious, as people start to maybe be um, in their mind, they're changing the value equation of what categories they want to invest in and what they don't. I want less stuff and more experience. If you could maybe share some light on how you see some of this playing out from a, I'm a business person trying to capitalize on this mega trend. How should I think about it? There's a bunch of massive mega trends that are tailwinds and there's a bunch that are headwinds. And the sooner that companies get ahead of this, the better they're going to be. I mean, McDonald's, the, the fast food one is fascinating because a vast majority of the margins, my data is old, so I, I might be wrong in this one, um, comes from fountain drinks. It, it is the, the single greatest profitable thing that McDonald's sells, not food. And they they like fries, but they don't make money on fries in the way that they do drinks. What the fries do, they're salty. They make you thirsty for the fountain drinks that they you know, it's it's a couple of pennies. The fries per make serving. you drink more Coke, right? There it is. There it is. <laughs> McDonald's has a real challenge of, on the one hand, they're leaning into a couple of good trends that are t- tailwinds for them: digital, app focused. Seventy percent of of uh, fast food sales come through the drive through. All that's positive, right? Um, but the mix of what they're going to sell, I, I just don't believe you're going to buy the ginormous, you know, big gulp size drinks at McDonald's. It's, it's hard to deliver. You're at home. You probably have lots of drinks that you have already there. So I think on the one hand, they're chasing the trends to keep up. And on the other hand, they're going to kill the golden goose, which is, you know, beverages where all the money is, uh, the margin is. What they ought to be doing is uh, number one, all these delivery services, they're all money losers. They're great. They've created a lot of market cap out there. But you know, Christopher, there, there are some companies that are just products or services. They're not meant to be companies, right? Um, things like DoorDash and things of that nature, like great market creation. I, I don't know that they are standalone businesses on their own. And then McDonald's should have been the one to create the category of delivery. They and, missed and, it, right? They if they, they had... It. Well, and they could still purchase DoorDash if they were smart, like Keurig, when Keurig decided to open the Aperture and allow competitive coffee brands into their platform, their ecosystem. McDonald's buys DoorDash and will deliver you Pizza Hut through DoorDash. Yeah. You you know what, Christopher, the genius of what you just said, it's so great. I have to tell you another food story to make it work. The number one skew, stock keeping unit in all of candy. Candy's a $20 billion category, right? And the biggest brands are around a billion dollars, give or take. But the number one skew, so not a brand, product of candy comes from Costco. It is the brand of the, the, the product that where they sell at Halloween that is the 
Halloween bag where they physically get candy from all the competitors, Hershey, Nestle, you know, Mars, they assemble the Avengers, you know, Wonder Twins and Power Rangers, you know, Rangers unite into one bag. That single skew is 400 to five, a billion dollar brand made up of many, many dozens of skews. And you imagine the profitability of one skew that the, the throughput that comes through. And it is because Costco is like, they have a problem they're trying to solve Halloween. But the single greatest thing that McDonald's could do is exactly what you just said is we are, you know, Ray Kroc famously said, I'm not in the hamburger business. I'm in the real estate business. Time to reinvent the category. They could have been in the delivery business um, and they could have been it for the entire category. And the way out for a McDonald's is to go the Netflix route because DoorDash wants you to be a subscriber. They could have even called it Mickey D's for delivery. There's the name right there. Absolutely. The other thing too, that's interesting about the Costco story with the Halloween candy is Costco either explicitly or intuitively understood a super of one is a super of nine. That is to say, if I like, I don't know, a Snickers, then maybe I like Kit Kat. And I don't, I don't know this world the way you do is Snickers and Kit Kat made by the same company. No. Exactly. So what if I want a Kit Kat, a Snickers, and of course, I like peanut butter cups. So what if I want a Reese's peanut butter cup? And so a super of one is a super of nine, even if they're competitive. And what they're doing, of course, with that magic competitive bundle is they're doing what category designers always do, which is increase the TAM for the category. Right. By putting it together, chances are we buy more Halloween candy than we would if we had to buy all the pieces ourselves. Yes. Yes. And so is one of the things that we should be doing here is always thinking in what Kevin Maney calls the adjacent possible, always thinking, what are the adjacent categories? What's next to us? What's near us? And even in some cases, what's not near us, but is potentially our supers might be a super of something, which leads to an unpredictable bundle. Hundred percent. And that that and that if you follow the adjacent possible super one is a super of nine, you can see the playbook happening out. The chessboard is McDonald's buys or builds delivery service. They offer Mickey D's, as well said by Christopher, offers it up to the entire category. Competition be damned, so that you can get a Big Mac with a Wendy's Frosty and some Taco Bell, you know, whatever, whatever, all in one delivery, because guess what? People like variety. And then uh, eventually what the the natural logical conclusion is that the, what are now quick serve restaurants, they're in the real estate business, become smaller footprint places or repurpose where they become commissaries, where you can cook food at greater scale so that they can be delivered at greater scale. And guess what? Imagine a world- yeah, ghost kitchens where Cloud you kitchens, have a yeah. McDonald's and a Wendy's and a Taco Bell and a Pizza Hut all in the same place so that the consumer gets what they want and that uh, McDonald's can be in the delivery, the real estate business and the digital subscription business because there is no consumer, a super consumer of fast food would absolutely pay 10, 20 bucks a month to be able to, for the privilege of being yes. able to order whatever I want from wherever I want. Like an Amazon Prime service for like home delivery of food. Yes. yes. And here's the other thing. So we've written about, we've talked a lot about the power 
of a, a digital flywheel. So now imagine you're McDonald's, you acquire DoorDash. What do you have? You have the largest training data set in the world of what people want to eat at home from delivery. All of a sudden, Mickey D's would have the greatest advantage in the history of restaurants, which is they would have radical insight into a delivery super consumers' tastes, wants, desires, when they want it, how they want it, et cetera. And it would Mickey D's buy or McDonald's buying DoorDash to make it Mickey D's delivery would be the equivalent. See if I can bounce this one off you, Eddie. The equivalent of Microsoft buying LinkedIn. Yes. Why did Microsoft buy LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn's a great business. They're a category king. Sure. But guess what? If you're the number one maker of software for white collar workers around the world, wouldn't you love an AI training data set of opt-in data where all the white collar knowledge workers in the world tell you what they're doing? If they've been promoted, if they've got a new job, where they went to school, what training they're taking, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Microsoft has an insight into what's going on with their customers via AI training data through LinkedIn, like no other application software company in the history of the world does. Is there an analogy there, Eddie? You know what? The only people who would do this analogy are pirated people like us, because what Microsoft did with LinkedIn, they shifted, they they understood that one of the single greatest transformations in business is now. Your go-to-market is not the consumer comes to you. You go to the consumer. Microsoft buying LinkedIn is allowing them to go to the consumer where they are, talking about work, looking for jobs, everything else. McDonald's buying DoorDash would be the same thing. Is that, no, 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 McDonald's, yes, people used to come to you. Now you go to them. And that's the single greatest shift that you can make. And if you can do that, you will be best set up for the next 30 years of where the category and the consumer is going to go. Now's a good time to be paying attention. 